Amen. If you're visiting, glad to have you guys here. We had a bunch of visitors during first service, which was nice and warm. I got a little sweaty. <laughs> so praise God for air conditioning. Huh? Um, so you guys got Revelation 7, um, or 17, and we'll get into Daniel 7 a little bit. As I've been studying, <clears throat> really over the last few weeks, this chapter, uh, I had to change my theology a little bit. I believe the church will go through the tribulation. Oh, you guys are silent. The apostate church, okay? <laughs> and that's what we're dealing with this morning. We're going to look at the apostate church. Yes, here at Freedom, we do believe in the rapture of the church. We believe Thessalonians does not teach us that we are appointed to wrath. Uh, but Christ took that wrath upon himself. And aren't you guys glad? We are forgiven. And that is the greatest gift, to know that your sins are forgiven. Because we all messed up. Guys, I messed up this week. I messed up this morning, all right. <laughs> Aren't you guys glad that he freely forgives us? All we have to do is keep turning back to him. And that's what he, when you're born again, when you've put your faith in Christ, he's giving you the spirit of God, you're born again. And what a privilege we have to know him and just being able to come back to him. Because we trip over the littlest things sometimes and we just miss out on the blessing of fellowship with him, the gift of eternal life. I want you guys to be encouraged today. We have a good God. Okay, Things are messy, but he's going to come back and make it right. How many of you guys are looking forward to that day? And that's what I love about Revelation. That's the big picture. You smiling back there, Wes? You're like right behind the pillar way back there. <laughs> okay. Just like amen with your arm over there. <laughs> so um, we're going to consider Babylon this morning. And as you guys... Uh, study with us over the next few weeks. We're going to see Babylon this morning, chapter 17, political Babylon next week in 18 and even in 19. It's brought up a lot in scripture, but especially in the book of Revelation and speaks to a city, but also it speaks to a system. Okay. And there is a world system today. Do you guys know who the God of this age is? We're told it's Satan and we see a lot of things that are corrupt. Okay. And we want to fix it. But the thing is, we're not going to fix it. The church can't fix it. We're not called to fix it. We're told in the scripture, it's Jesus Christ who comes to fix it. And that's why we follow him. So we're called to love not the things of this world. First John chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. You can jot that down. Some good scriptures for us as believers to cling to. Because it's easy to want to cling to things of this world. And we're not to. Our minds there will be set on what? Eternal things. But it's easy because we live in the temporal. In this life that's but a vapor, we can really get caught up in it and overwhelmed by it. And God has a lot more. He'll give us peace. And that's one thing I love. Even though these things are very real, he's given us emotions and feelings. He'll meet us in the midst of those things. That's one thing I love about him. Now, um, we're going to consider Babylon this morning. Uh, the ecclesiastical Babylon, which really speaks to the apostate Christian, uh, Christendom. Uh, maybe it's a religion that's going to embrace all religions. Do you guys see maybe the world moving towards something like that? That it's going to be okay that you're a Muslim and you're a Christian and you want to be new agey? That's good for you. Hey, we got any Buddhists in the house? <laughs> you know, hey, we all can love and faith. As long as you have faith, you're good right? That's what the world wants. We want to coexist. 
But God's called us to follow him, hasn't he? No one gets to the Father except through Christ Jesus, period. That's why a Hindu will not embrace Christianity. They'll embrace any other religion in the world, but not Christ, because Christ is exclusive. He made that claim that he is Lord and that he alone is Savior. So we look at the first church in Babylon here. Again, chapter 17, we're going to consider the religious Babylon. Chapter 18 will deal with the political and economic Babylon. So political Babylon and economic, which really Antichrist is going to unite, uh, have a united empire uh, during the tribulation. So the last form of a Gentile world power. The ecclesiastical Babylon will be destroyed by the political Babylon. And political Babylon will be destroyed by what? By whom? Jesus Christ himself. And that's the big picture that you and I need to get, brothers and sisters. We're tripping a lot about what's going on now politically in the world. Guys, Christ is going to come back and set everything right. I love Isaiah 9, the, you know, the fulfillment of Christ coming unto us. A son is given, right? We celebrate at Christmas. Jesus came. God came into the world to save us. But we're also told in those prophecies about him that the government would be upon his shoulders. Is the government upon Jesus' shoulders today? No. He will come back in the government at that time. Will be. He will be ruling and reigning. We're told 1,000. That's why I'm loving getting to the end of Revelation with you guys. We're going to actually talk about the millennial kingdom and the thousand-year reign of Christ. And we look forward to Jesus' return. And that is the big picture. Okay, We as a church don't usher in the kingdom of God. We don't get the world right. We're not called to. Jesus gets the world right. That's biblical. And there's a lot of false teaching today in the church. A lot of movements. We have the new apostolic reformation that's growing. We have churches in the valley here that follow that teaching. They are going to overcome the world. And they are going to rule. The church is going to rule and make the world right for Christ's return. I don't see it in scripture, guys. It's unbiblical. What we do see is Christ returning in setting things right. I do want to note, guys, that every age has featured a Babylon, okay? A political and an economic system that has sought to control people's minds and destinies. And I want you guys to get this. This is why we take the Word of God so seriously here at Freedom Fellowship, because it renews our minds, okay? The world wants to control us and tell us how to think. But that's why we have to go back to the Word of God because it renews our mind, Romans 12 too, right? Because God is always right and our thinking can get messed up. And that's why we need to be encouraging each other daily. Hey, seek the Lord. Man's not going to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, brother and sister, we need to feast on the Word of God. Take it in. And that's what gives us clarity and how to live and how to have faith rightly and how to see things rightly. Because Satan's really good at getting us distracted. He's really good at getting us ripped off. Well, I know Christ says this and his word says this, but I feel this way or my conscience is telling me this. Well, if it's contrary to his word, we've been deceived. And we're told that even in the last days, the elect may be deceived. And that's where we need to pray for one another. That's where we need to encourage one another to stay true to the word of God. Because there's a lot of things today in the church. Well, I feel this way. If they just want to love each other, 
that's okay. No, God calls that type of love an abomination. That's not okay. We can't say it's okay. We have to stick to the truth. And that's what we're going to see happen with this Babylonian um, church. Okay, They're going to sway uh, the world, really. So <clears throat> now, uh, jumping into chapter 17 here, uh, we're going to have this angel leading us. Okay, This uh, first angel, these seven bowl angels, uh, into this guided tour in the desert. Let's take a look at verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, and I will show you judgment of the great harlot and who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed uh, fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, and having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was written the name Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. So here we see Babylon interpreted for us. You know, some of us read these scriptures these chapters and it gets confusing but i think if we just really slow down god is really good at showing us and interpreting for us what these prophecies are and then we see babylon destroyed so a little bit of background about babylon real quick it all began circa 3000 bc you guys remember nimrod let's build a tower up to the sky babylon that's when we're first in introduced uh, to the city and it's been consistently horrible throughout history like if you study Babylon as a whole they had the famous tower uh, really kept the people uh, from scattering but God told them to scatter okay they were going against God and then uh, Humurabi made Babylon the religious power of the world around 1600 BC and then Babylonia's zenith was during, you guys have heard of King Nebuchadnezzar, right? We read the book of Daniel. Uh, Babylon, greatest empire the world has ever seen. That was 604 BC to about 562. And we saw Babylon's decline uh, was there in 539 when he was captured by Darius the Mede, which we see in Daniel chapter 7, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I would encourage you guys, we've been going through the book of Daniel. Uh, those studies are on our website, come to freedom.com. The last one was on Daniel chapter 7, and that's in detail. So if you get stoked on chapter 17 this morning, this is cool stuff, check out that, because Daniel really is a key to the book of Revelation and how they fit together. But we have uh, Darius the Mede that came. And then in 300 BC, the city uh, began to decay. And that was Babylon until 1986. Some of you guys were born by 1986. You guys remember a guy by the name of Saddam Hussein? 
Yeah, he thought he was a successor of Nebuchadnezzar, and he's put billions, he did put billions of dollars into rebuilding um, Babylon, 50 miles uh, uh, from Baghdad there in Iraq. So there it is, and here we are reading about Babylon in the last days and the cities built and being built even more. It's crazy. Anyways, verse 2 again. Whom the kings of this earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. For a believer, guys, participating in false religion is like committing adultery. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, it's, it's, you're being unfaithful. I mean, you've pledged your love to Christ. Okay, it's you, but I'm going to go cheat on you a little. No, we don't do that. Okay, so the apostate church is who is being addressed here. So it's when, when the church gets raptured, guys, when we, the true believers, the preserving salt and light in the world, when God takes us to be with him, when we are raptured, religion doesn't disappear at that time. It's just going to get worse. Why? Because people who are into religion are about the flesh. Look what I can do. Look how good I am. Every world religion is all based on works. Look what I've done to earn this place in heaven or whatever they get out of being good and keeping the rules and the regulations. Christianity isn't like that at all. It's not about our flesh Flesh is gross to God. Pride is gross. Look what I, no, look at what he has done. It's our Savior who died upon that cross, who did everything perfect so he could be a perfect sacrifice. It's all about God. And that takes a little bit of humility because we see the flesh even come in within the Christian church, don't we? You know, in, yeah. Pray for one another, guys. We're not exempt from that today, but it is human nature, and we see it flourish here in the last days during the tribulation. Now, apostasy just simply means a falling away. Okay, Some of us think that, hey, this is happening right now. There's a great falling away. I love studying missions. I love hearing what our God is doing globally. Do you guys know revivals are going on all over the world? Do you guys know the gospel is going to places that have never gone before and people are getting saved? Just because the church here in America is lukewarm and maybe backsliding and falling away doesn't mean that God's not at work. He's still doing things. He's doing things here in Kokona, Wisconsin. There are people here today that love Jesus who've come to worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, God is alive and he is doing things. Okay. Anyways, um, the fact is there's an act of some Christians. They profess Christ, but they deliberately reject truth. Okay? And we do see that happening. You know, I'm a Christian, but I don't like the truth. And what's truth? Well, John 17, 17, my word is truth. Sanctify them in truth. That's why we like the word of God so much here at Freedom. Because we know that's what's going to do it. It's his word. It's his truth. Jesus is the truth. So we don't want to be those Christians who say and give lip service to Christ, but uh, that truth, that's too hard for me. I don't want to hear that because I want this. Um, Let's be humble and encourage each other uh, in doing truth. So it's different than erring concerning uh, truth, you know, it might just be ignorance. You guys remember in Acts 19 when Paul went to Ephesus there 
and they heard of baptism, but a baptism of a Holy Spirit? What is that? They were just ignorant. They had no idea. They never heard about it. It wasn't that they were rejecting it. They were just clueless. Now, if Paul had preached to them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they just rejected the truth, then that would be on them. Okay? Um, so apostasy departs from the faith, but not from an outward profession of Christianity. Um, let's go to 2 Timothy quick. Okay? Uh, just a few books to your left. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We see apostates described in chapter 4 here. Apostle Paul is writing to a younger pastor, Timothy, and he's talking about what's going to happen in the last days. Okay, And if you guys are interested in end time study and prophecy, I'd encourage you guys to spend some time in Timothy chapter 3, chapter 4 here. First, uh, Second Timothy four, it says in verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, what is sound doctrine? Well, it's the word of God, right? All Scripture is inspired by God. We're told in Second Timothy three sixteen, and is profitable for doctrine, okay, for reproof, for correction, instructions in righteousness. All the word of God, all of it, does that for you and I. It's all important. So. Sound doctrine, okay? They're not going to endure it, okay? We don't want the word of God, okay? We, we want something more, something else. But according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, hey, I want to hear this, they'll heap up teachers for themselves. And they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And we have to fight for that, guys. We're going to fight for the word of God to doctrine, sound doctrine. We need to do that. That's what the church is to be given to. Okay, The church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And if we don't have a sound of solid foundation in that, how is that going to happen? But we see that today. You know, Well, if I teach on this, if I speak on that, then people will tune in because that's what they want to hear. You know, God says no. <laughs> You're to teach my word. In the volume of the book, we're told in Hebrews is about Jesus. But don't you know what's going on in our political climate? Why don't you talk about this stuff? No, that comes and goes. That's temporal. Christ, eternal things, my word, that's what lasts forever. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. My word, <laughs> that's going to remain. And isn't it so cool, guys, that the word of God works effectively in those who believe? Just like the saints 2,000 years ago, okay? Here we are studying the same scriptures. How many generations later? And the word of God is still relevant? Still speaks to our lives? Okay? Why? Because it's supernatural. It's truth. It's what God has ordained for all time. Don't you guys love the word? So we need to be careful of that. Be careful because we're seeing that happening today, not just in America, but really all over the world. People are heaping up teachers for themselves. And I'll go there because you're going to tell me what I want to hear. You know, some of you guys don't like what I say sometimes. Guess what? That's okay. I'm not here to itch your ears. I really want to teach the truth and teach the word. And I would ask you guys to pray for me in that. You know, am I perfect? Do I always get it right? No, but I want to. <laughs> I'm going to take the time to study and pray. 
you know, and try to be true to the scriptures because we don't want to be an apostate church. We want to be real. So let's go back to chapter 17 in Revelation. Look at verse 3 again with me. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And then he saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So she is a political power for a time. And we see her sitting on the beast. And whenever somebody's sitting on something, that means they're in a place of power, of authority. That's what it indicates for you and I. So this same beast is the beast we read about in chapter 13, verse 1. You guys remember the seven head, the ten horns, the antichrist, we were told? Same one. Verse 4 tells us the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup that are full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication so here is worldliness here is worldly vanity here is worldly greed that's what we're seeing so the church has power and wealth which entices the people hey look at how great we are in this corrupt christianity okay this is corrupt christianity and i'll say it guys much like today's christianity and i'm sad to say that but that's what we see look what we can do with our wealth We can buy people to follow us. It's sad. Genuine Christianity is essentially unworldly, guys. We are to be so set apart. We shouldn't look anything like the world. I mean, think how we began, right? Our founder was born in a stable, right? Cradled in a feeding trough. He never had a place to lay his head. His followers, they go on mission strips. You go, but don't take any money. No knapsack, just go. None of the apostles ever preached for a livelihood. The apostle Paul said, hey, I coveted no man's silver, gold, or apparel. So how do I protect my heart from self-love, from worldly vanity and greed? Aren't we told to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all things? That's what we do. We're good at seeking a lot of things. We're told to seek him first above all things and seek to be the hardest, most faithful worker you can be. Okay, God has a calling on each one of your lives. Whatever he's called you to, you do it the best you can. Be a good citizen. Let the chips fall where they may. What if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? But I want to fight for this. I want my comforts. I want this. Who cares? Jesus is what matters, guys. We are to be set apart. We are to be different as the church. So the mystery Babylon, did you guys catch that in verse 5 here? What are they talking about? Of course, the true church is called a mystery. You guys can jot down Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. This is a great ministry, but I speak concerning Christ in the church, right? You guys understand that this apostate church, it's a counterfeit. It's always a counterfeit. 
Satan's so good at counterfeiting, guys. And that's why it's appealing. And that's why we need to be wise, have discernment, cling to truth, to his word, no matter what. So the second part of verse 5, this woman is also mentioned to be the mother of harlots. So she's a madame. She has a brothel. Okay, the image of a prostitute is the illustration here, which really speaks to a spiritual bankruptcy. Okay, moral degradation here. This sounds a lot like many churches coming together in her oversight is what's going to happen. So they incorporate, they cannot amalgamate or combine or unite. In verse 6, we're told that the woman drunk with blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Things are going to be horrible during the tribulation, guys. This is yet future. We don't know how soon. Okay, we could be raptured any day. Okay, the Antichrist could rise at any time then and sign a peace treaty in the seven years here that we've been studying. We don't know when it's going to happen. You know, it could be in the very near future. It could be decades out yet. We're not sure. But we definitely see the stage being set. Okay. And the persecution of believers, it's not just during the tribulation. Do you guys know we have brothers and sisters that are being persecuted today? I mean, we're tripping out. I'm persecuted. Look at my rights being taken away. Guys, God put on my heart just over a year ago to prepare you for persecution. It's going to come someday. Okay? In part, we experience a little bit. But there are brothers and sisters literally being imprisoned or maybe even killed today for their faith in Christ. That is a very real reality. Okay? I have a friend who pastors in Nigeria. I don't know if you guys have been following, but they're killing Christians over there right now on a daily basis. Do you pray for our Nigerian brothers and sisters? Do you pray for the body of Christ there? And God would give them boldness to continue to stand. Okay? Persecution is a reality, and it's going to continue to happen even throughout the tribulation. So John says here, hey, I'm so confused. Okay, well, what's going on? The angel promises John an explanation. But no, there's a big difference between the professing church and the true church. Okay? A lot can give lip service to Jesus Christ, but are we actually going to be true and do his word? Because we're told, guys, that in the last days, okay, there's going to be apostasy in the church. Did you guys read 2 Timothy 4 before? The first couple of verses of 1 Timothy 4 that say in the last days that there will be apostasy, that the conscience will be seared. And I'm hearing that from saints today. Well, I have, for conscience sake, this conviction, and I don't want to submit. I don't want to do that. But God, in his word, which is truth, says, no, you submit to me, you submit to them. Well, I don't want to do the word of God because I feel this way. No, we cling to the word of God. And in that, guys, we are a witness. God has called us to be radically different. And our witness should be a beautiful thing to the world. We should be loving and walking in love towards others in such a way that the world's looking And What's different about them? Why are they like that? And in that, they're going to long, they're going to want what we have. And let me tell you what, the church is not, I don't want to judge. The church is beautiful because it's God's. But we misbehave at times 
and our witness can be very ugly. And I don't want to be like the world, guys. God's not calling us to look like the world. We are to be set apart. So let's consider Babylon being interpreted here. Back in Revelation 17, look at verse 8 now with me. It says, The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life, guys? That's all that matters. (laughs) Do you know Jesus? Okay? So from the foundations of the world, when you see the beast that was and is not and yet is, and here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings, five fallen, one is, and the other one is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth as of the seven and is going to perdition. And the ten horns which you saw are the ten kings that have received no kingdom as yet. But they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. And these are of one mind, and they will give the power and authority to the beast. And these will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. And he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So it's interpreted for us here, guys. In verse 8, the beast is described for you and I is about to come up. It's the Antichrist, which we see back in chapter 11, verse 7, okay, placing the timing of his seizure and power over this ecclesiastical Babylon in the middle of the tribulation. Also, in verses 9 to 11, we have the seven heads here. Okay, they're described for you and I. Here we have a woman sitting on three things. Did you guys catch what she was sitting on? The waters. Okay, sitting on the beast in verse 3. And then now the seven hills here. So seven heads equals seven mountains. Rome is known to be built on seven hills. We've been studying the book of Daniel. Okay, I encourage you guys, if you haven't been following, go on our website and start listening to those studies. Okay, this is not speaking to the Roman Catholic Church. I was taught that growing up. But if we think about the book of Daniel, okay, if Daniel really is the key to Revelation, we know that Rome is the last of the world powers. Okay, that is clearly prophesied. That fits with Revelation chapter 17. So seven kings... Okay, Roman emperors. When John was penning this, guys, on the island of Patmos 2,000 years ago, uh, dominant uh, was the emperor. Okay, he was the sixth one. We don't know who the seventh one is yet, verse 10. But we do know the eighth one will be the beast in the Antichrist. We are told that. Now, you guys can turn to Daniel chapter 7, and we'll take a look here because it really is key. Uh, to understanding chapter 17 here in Revelation. 
And I would encourage you guys, okay, check out chapter seven is the last uh, chapter we did. Uh, this Wednesday, I'm going to post a teaching on chapter eight um, on our Facebook page. But I want to take a look here with you guys at verse 24. The ten horns are the ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And another shall rise after them. And he shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. Does that sound familiar? And shall persecute the saints of the Most High. That sounds familiar. And shall intend to change times and laws. And then the saints shall be given into his hand for time, times and a half at times. That's three and a half years, guys. So the beast's army comes here. Uh, maybe it's out of a love for their nation, we're not sure, or a dedication to their leader uh, who is sordid and sinister. Uh, the lambs are the lambs army here. Did you guys catch what they were called in Revelation 17? They're, they're called, they're chosen, they're faithful. Okay? And we see that they have a love for Jesus, for him, for his mission, his cause, and he fills and fires their souls. I love that. And then in verse 15, the waters are described, and the waters are the people of the world. So if we take a moment to consider chapter 7 here of uh, Daniel, okay, we see some different beasts okay, that he had visions of that were prophesied, representing different kingdoms. Jump down to verse 17. It says, those great beasts which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. And look at verse 23. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. There has only been four world empires, guys. That is what is so awesome about these prophecies. Daniel received these prophecies before any of this shook out. Hundreds of years beforehand. And there's only been four dominating empires throughout history. And they're laid out perfectly for us in the scriptures. Okay? This is how we know that we can trust the word of God. Only God can foretell the future. There's no other religious writings out there that have prophecy or fulfilled prophecy. Only the Bible. And thousands of them. It's amazing. So check this out, guys. Look at verse 4. The first, okay, first kingdom was like a lion and it had eagle's wings. I watched till the wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. So the winged lion, guys. This is the Babylonian empire, okay, the head of gold that you read about in Daniel chapter 2. The winged lion, it's the favorite image for Babylon. If you go into any museum that has any Babylonian artifacts, you're going to see the winged lion on it. That was their thing. Okay, So a mighty kingdom, it was soaring until King Nebuchadnezzar was humbled like an animal, right? Um, and he was made to stand on two feet. Now, uh, the next one we read about is in verse 5. Okay, we read of a bear with ribs here, and suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. And he raised up on one side, okay? And he had three ribs in his mouth between its teeth. 
And they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. Okay, that's a chest of silver. Okay, the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, the Medo-Persians were like a bear. Now we know bears aren't the, the, the swiftest or the most skillful, but they have brute force. They are strong. In these three ribs, well, what's this about? Well, at this point, guys, we're told in history, the three empires that were already defeated were Egypt, Babylon, and Libya. Okay, up to this point, they were conquering these nations, these people. Now, the bear raised up on one side would indicate that half the empire, the Persians, okay, they were the stronger ones and the more honorable ones than the other half of the Medes. So that just makes sense there. Perfect picture. Uh, the next one is in verse 6. After this, I looked in another, like a leopard. And it had on its back four wings of a bird. And the beast also had four heads. And uh, domain was given to it. So the winged, four-headed leper here. This speaks of the Greek empire. And if you guys have studied, you've uh, studied Alexander the Great and how he swiftly conquered the known world. Okay, Unreal that he did it that quickly right swift like a cat like a leopard right um in the four heads i don't know if you guys know this or not but when alexander died how many generals did he have four and the empire was divided up into four the four heads he's like wow how did god know god is god he knows it okay <laughs> that's how he's able to prophesy it uh so specifically like this and then uh, the terrible beast. After this, I saw in verse 7 the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. And it had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. And I was considering the horns. And there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them. And before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and the mouth speaking pompous words. Now the last empire is the Roman Empire. Okay, do you guys remember the iron, the toes mixed with clay? Okay, ten toes. Um, the ten horns like the toes, powers that will be in the future and we're told that there will be a revived roman empire that's going to happen um, so there's a little horn that pops up here which defeats three kingdoms we're told he will become the world ruler the antichrist okay and this is his first appearance in scripture uh, a gentile coming from a roman empire he will speak things of pompous words we're told in verse 8 and 20 and he will persecute the saints so any Jews that are believing and Gentiles that are believers are going to be persecuted during the tribulation for three and a half years. Verse 25, when it says a time, times and a half a time, that's three and a half years. So the seven-year period of time, Antichrist is going to make a peace treaty, but halfway through it, okay, Antichrist is going to rise and make people worship him. Um, and as a result, all of Babylon is going to be destroyed. Look at verse 16 back in Revelation 17 now. And we'll start to wrap this up here. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. What? And make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, 
to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So religious Babylon here in verse 16, guys, uh, sought this political alliances and power now are ended up being destroyed by it. Okay, Antichrist seems to use the world church to get himself into power and then establishes his own religion. Verse 17 again, it says, God has put it into their hearts and his purpose to be of one mind and to give the kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. So we have another example of concurrence here with current flow of the purposes of God and the desires of the people. Okay? God is using it. There's a lot of crazy going on in the world today. A lot of evil and wickedness. How can God allow that? I believe what the scriptures teach us. That despite all that stuff, God is having purposes and doing good things through it. Even though we rebel and we're sinful, and it's hard to understand sometimes, but I do understand it or believe it's going to be revealed to us one day how it all worked out in the grand scheme of things. I don't know about you guys, but his grace really is an amazing thing. You know, despite us, he is still so loving and so good and doing so much good. There's a lot of grace, guys. So the woman in verse 18 is described a little further for you and I. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So it's also represented as a city, not only a system. Um, look at the contrast here. Okay, We have the woman and the beast, right? And the contrast would be who? The bride and the lamb, which we're going to look at in verse, or chapters 19 and 21. Um, but the bride, we see her as a virgin, and we see this woman as a harlot. Okay, The woman represents that ultimate godless world religion. So you either identify with the woman or the bride. She is joined with government and corrupts everything that she touches. Here's one problem with the idea of blending church and state. And yes, guys, I do know that keeping state out of church and not vice versa, I get that. Uh, but I think about the Vatican, that's a good example. But I think only Jesus holds, and we see this taught in Scripture, priest and king. He's the only one, guys. Okay? Religious and political. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And aren't you guys looking forward when he comes back? And we have Jesus as a governor. <laughs> so I'm looking at some of the governors right now, and I'm praying a lot for them. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Um, but as Christians, guys, we have a great hope. And as Christians, we should be good citizens. That's what we're called to. And we should seek to influence government for righteousness and justice. How do we do that? It's through voting, guys. We have that privilege here in America. Vote. It's running for office. Some of you guys may be called to something like that. I want nothing to do it with it, but I have brothers and sisters that I really appreciate that they are in those circles. Pray for them. Also, guys, it's like our founding fathers. Okay, They weren't looking for a Christian government. Read history. Okay, That's not what they wanted. They wanted to see a just and a fair government. Okay, And those are good things. That's why we vote. 
big picture things as the bride of Christ, guys, as the church of Jesus Christ, cleansed by his blood, and we're destined for glory. Is that what our mind is set upon? Are we washing ourselves by the water of the word that we may present ourselves a glorious church to when he comes? That's what I want to see happening. That's the fruit I want to see for Freedom Fellowship. Some of you guys partake in Bible studies throughout the week with us. We're just in the word of God because <laughs> we trust the word. And I would encourage you guys to get plugged in. When we have our men's retreat this fall, guess what? We're going to have a lot of studies and it's going to be in the word of God. We're not going just to play games. Okay? We want to see men challenged, changed, transformed by the word of God. We believe his word can do that. I see it in my life constantly. Guys, I get overwhelmed. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't struggle with things. I struggle with a lot of things. And I'm so thankful for the word of God. And as his kids, guys, we have that. Allow yourself to drink deeply of him. Partake of his word. Allow it to renew your minds. I want to end with a couple thoughts here. I think as Christians, we can have confidence in history. I know we're trying to rewrite history right now, but one thing I love about the Bible, it's actually a history book. Do you guys know that? World history. The little bit we read about right now, prophecies in Daniel chapter 7, those things have come to pass and a few things yet to happen, which is kind of exciting. And we know they will because God was faithful to these prophecies. Why won't he continue to be faithful? And if he's promised these things, he's always been faithful to those promises. We can hold to those things. And I want to encourage you guys, study history. Okay? Nothing new under the sun. We keep doing the same foolish things as mankind. But I love the scriptures because the volume of the book, if it's really about Jesus, as Hebrews tells us, and these things in the Old Testament were written for our learning, we can learn. And it's good to remember and to recall those things. So evil seems so powerful. Appearances are not reality, guys. Do you know that? It's not reality. Satan's not going to win, guys. The victory's already won. And Jesus is coming back one day soon. So the Lamb is all-powerful, and evil will be conquered. And the evil kingdom, it's full of lies hatred, and dissension. And if you guys are giving yourselves to any of those things, knock it off. Don't help out the enemy. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. People are dying. People are tripping about a virus right now. I think Wisconsin just yesterday just got over a 1,000 deaths, maybe. I know numbers are off on stuff. Guys, there's going to be over 50,000 people who die in Wisconsin this next year. Most of them don't have a relationship with Christ. That's big picture. That's why God has us here, to be on mission. People are dying. Virus or not, we're all going to die. And this life is messy until then. And the only hope that we have in the hereafter is a relationship with Christ. And we have the gospel. We have the message, the hope this world is looking for. Can we give ourselves to that, guys? That's our job, church. 
No one else is going to do it. Let's stand. We'll close in prayer. I'm just teaching through this again this morning, Father. I thank you for the privilege to be able to do so with my brothers and sisters here. And my prayer would be um, that we cling to truth, to your word. I would even pray if I have spoken anything that isn't true, that you would erase it from our minds, God, that we would cling to what is good and right and pleasing and honoring to you as Christ exalting. That's what you deserve, Father. I pray that we would champion one another to be set apart for you and your purposes, God. That we would encourage one another in each other's giftings and callings. Lord, to help a brother and sister out, Lord, to lift them up when they need to be. God, help us to love each other well. Help us to love this world well. There's so much hate out there. You said the world would know us by our love. So Holy Spirit, would you please, God, help us to walk with you. Help us to bear a lot of fruit, a lot of love in your name, Jesus. God, give us boldness to speak, Lord. We'll be speaking a lot of things right now. But the reality is people are dying every day. And some of them without you. Some of them never even heard of you. God, help us, Lord, to be bold. Give us opportunities. Lord, this day, this week, to speak to others. We thank you so much for all that you've done, for the cross, for your sacrifice, Jesus, for the love that you demonstrated towards us. We want to follow your example. Help us to die well daily, God, that we can serve and be alive to you. Thank you for these, my brothers and sisters. Thank you you care for us. Thank you. We can cast our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.